Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to Business Builders Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to talk about how to create a $100 million brand in just six years with Jeremy Parker. Now, Jeremy is a serial entrepreneur and an award-winning documentary filmmaker. He's currently the co-founder and CEO of Swag.com, which was recently acquired by Custom Inc. in November 2021. Swag.com is the best place for companies to buy and distribute high-quality swag that people will actually want to keep. They work with over 5,000 companies, including such biggies as Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Spotify, TikTok. The list, I'm sure, would go on and on. Jeremy, it's fantastic to have you here with us, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. So give us a kind of an overview of who you serve. What I know it uh, covers the waterfront, but who's a typical uh, client, Jeremy, of you and your firm? Right. So we sell to businesses. We're strictly B2B. But within that, there's all these different departments within the organization that buy swag for very different reasons. So you have the HR team that might be buying swag for onboarding new hires or the office manager buying swag for the whole team to keep the company culture thriving. You have the sales team sending swag to leads to help close sales. You have the marketing team sending swag to best customers. So you have all these different departments within the organization, and we try to serve all of them. Now, it wasn't always that way from the very beginning, but as we've expanded and learned about our customers and adapted and built the right feature set, we're now you know, the one-stop shop for swag for all departments, no matter how many different departments, locations, permission settings, approval flows, all these different things we built into this really robust platform to allow corporations to really streamline all of their swag needs. So your customers buy swag because they've got some sort of a problem that they're trying to solve. And so what is that problem and why are uh, why is swag attracted to them to solve this problem? Yes, yeah, so there's a couple, a couple of ways. Uh, for example, everyone's working remotely now, right? Everyone's so disconnected. No one's seeing each other. The office manager is buying swag for the problem of how do we keep the company culture thriving even when no one's in the office? How do we buy swag in bulk? and distribute it to individual addresses. So I can send it to this person or that person, they get a package at their doorstep and it makes them feel connected to a larger organization. So that's one use case. Uh, Another use case is HR managers, they need to onboard new hires, right? So how do you make that person who's joining the company feel welcome from day one? So they use swag for that. We have marketing teams who are wanting to engage with their best customers. They haven't been to trade shows or events. They haven't flown across country to, to meet with those marketing, those, uh, those, their customers in real time. So how do you send somebody a gift to say, thank you so much. We're thinking of you. We want to be connected to you. Sales teams, you're talking, how many times can you talk on the phone to try to close a sale or send them an email or put them in through a cadence, sending them a physical gift kind of separates you from the noise. So we have a lot of sales teams sending swag and products to people so they get something at their home they see a mug and they use that mug and they're getting that return on investment every day by constantly seeing that brand in front of them. So there's just all these different use cases of the reasoning to use swag and we try to solve it uh, across the board and we're only about six and a half years old. So we are constantly learning and, and figuring out new ways to help our customers. And just, it's a constant iteration of building features and making it the right product. 
So, Jeremy, I know you've got you know, probably thousands and thousands of stories. I think to help uh, our listeners understand how uh, you actually go about serving your client, can you think of a case study uh, uh, that you could take us from, maybe a sales department or a HR company or something, and just walk us through you know, something like, we got this phone call, here's the problem, and this is what they wanted, and this is what we did. Yeah, I mean, there's one that just pops into my head. We work with Amazon a lot. And Amazon, for example, I think they believe they had a huge, like, virtual event, right? They're having this big event, and they're having thousands of people sign up for this virtual event. And how do you humanize the virtual event? How do you, you know, make a great lasting impression? So Amazon, for example, didn't know all the addresses of all the recipients to this event, but they still wanted to give them something in the mail. So what they would do is they would go into our website, they would search through thousands of products that we have, they would upload their logo, mock up the product, check out, buy all the swag in bulk, different swag boxes, different kits, mugs, notebooks, t-shirts, whatever they want to buy. They would click a button, we would warehouse it in our fulfillment center. So now all the swag's living in our fulfillment center. We then give Amazon the tools instantaneously, they could do this by themselves, to create a giveaway landing page. So they would upload their logo and their colors, and now they have this link that they could blast out to all of their recipients, all of their event attendees, whoever they want to reward. The person would click on the link. They would see the message that Amazon wrote up themselves. They could select which swag item they want. This notebook, this t-shirt, if I'm a t-shirt on a size small or large, they could pick whatever they want. They could input their address. It all speaks to our system and we could distribute the swag. So we did that for, for Amazon, over 5,000 event attendees, and we're individually distributing all of these swag kits based on the recipients inputting their information. And it's all done hands-free, self-service, automated through our e-commerce experience. That is a great story. I bet that's been replicated many, many times. So I, it pops into my mind all kinds of examples where that would be a fantastic way. I had no idea that you actually had that level of personal touch to the individual recipient of the swag. That's fantastic, Jeremy. So I think that gives us a little bit of insight to my next question. And that is, you know, you're in a very, if you will, red ocean. There's lots and lots and lots of providers of swag out there in the, in the globe. So yeah. how are you different, Jeremy, from your competition? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and when we started this business in 2016, that was one of the ideas. Like, how do we differentiate ourselves from the 30,000 distributors? And what I noticed, I had this like a key insight that the buyer changed. I used to, there's a little background about me. I used to be in this industry. And I used to run a division under this much larger company called MV Sport. They're a large supplier in our industry. And I realized this when I was 21, 22 years old, that the buyer was a much older buyer and they weren't necessarily digitally savvy and they required, you know, presentations and phone calls and back and forth emails to close sales. And I noticed that over the last 10 years, the industry has remained very fragmented, very much handling, you know, through the catalogs, through the phone books, through in-person sales tactics, but the buyer changed. And now the buyer is no longer this older buyer. It's, it's really like a Gen Z millennial. And frankly, they want to do things very differently. So from the very get-go of the business six years ago, before we built one line of code, we want to learn, well, this is who the buyer is, but how do they want to purchase swag? What's different about them? And what we realize is, they don't want to speak to anyone on the phone. They would want to browse products. They want to upload logos themselves. They want to mock it up. They want to do completely self-service. So we set out to build a really great brand and experience around complete self-service. Instead of taking back and forth emails, you could check out in a matter of seconds. And then we took it a step further. We realized that these buyers also want to build 
fully custom branded boxes. So they might want a fully custom box that has their logo and their colors and this nice presentation with like a mug and a t-shirt and a water bottle and a custom written note card and all these different things. And they want to purchase it and they want to send those boxes to individual addresses or they want to keep it in our warehouse and distribute it over time. So we had to build that also. And we're the only company in the whole industry where you could build a fully custom swag box without speaking to anyone. You don't have to go back and forth with the sales rep. You can literally find the products on our site, upload your logo, mock it up, build as many different types of boxes you want, a welcome box for new hires, a thank you box for your best customers. You could build as many boxes as you want in the same checkout, pay for it. Everything is fully customized. And then we took it a step further and saying, well, now we're able to easily buy swag easily, build boxes easily. Now, how do we allow people to distribute swag easily? So we built this fully robust distribution platform, if you will. So now Amazon swag closet for their sales team that only the people in the sales team get access to it. And a swag closet for their marketing team, only the marketing team gets access to it. So think of it as like a Google doc. Like you could break it down by who gets access and permission settings and approval flows and manage your inventory, knowing you're running low in inventory and easily restock. And we built all of this from a really simple e-commerce experience. That's the distinction. A lot of our, our competitors have no e-commerce experience. So it's very manual of how they close the sales. And it's a lot of back and forth. And it's a lot of trouble. And then when you run out of stock, you have to retouch base with the sales rep and order through that sales rep. And there's a lot of back and forth. On our site, you can easily find what you're looking for, design it, press the button. All that swag is now in your inventory. Press another button, distribute that swag to thousands of different addresses at once. When you're running low, easily buy it. It's all connected to this full automated experience. So it just makes our entire process of onboarding customers really streamlined. There's no real long sales cycle. We could convert a $100,000 customer in a day. It's much, much easier process. That's fantastic. That was a beautiful uh, explanation of how to take a, if you will, a red ocean, you mentioned 30,000 distributors, and then create this blue ocean for yourself by doing something entirely different, approaching the whole market from a different perspective. That's a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing that with us. So Jeremy, look, I think we've got a pretty good understanding of what your product is and who your customers are and how you guys are different from your competition. What I'd like to do now is kind of have you change hats and think, okay, I'm a business owner, I'm a founder, and I was a crazy guy six and a half years ago, but this is the story. So take us back six and a half years. How did this idea germinate? I think you told us a little bit about that. And then kind of walk us through maybe some of the major milestones over the last six and a half years. I know certainly one of them was in November, 2021. Yes. Yeah, so I have a, I guess, an interesting history. I used to be a documentary filmmaker in college. So I'll take you a little bit further back than six years and kind of fast forward quickly. So I was a documentary filmmaker in college and I my film, my documentary, feature length documentary, ended up winning the Veil Film Festival, the audience award at the Veil Film Festival. And wow. I remember I was on the top of the mountain, and, and I remember I looked at, it was like a celebrity, quote-unquote celebrity brunch the next day. And I, I went to this brunch, and half the room were these really major, big, big A-list stars that everyone's heard of, and half the room were these more struggling artists. And I did an internal gut check. I was 18 years old at the time. And I did an internal gut check of, number one, am I that good? And number two, do I love what I'm doing? And both answers were no. And because both answers were no, it was such a clear sign, even though I just won this big film festival and you would expect me to be on the high and I'm, this is going to be my career. I really 
understood at that exact moment more than ever that this was not the career path for me. And I wanted to figure something else out that I could do. And I ultimately ended up starting a clothing line, which got me introduced to MV Sport, which allowed me to learn the promotional product industry. And I learned the ins and the outs of it. And I did that for about three years. So I really fell in love, frankly, with the industry, even how broken it was and how fragmented it was, even at the time I felt that, but even more so 10 years later, it became so much more obvious to me of, you know, how there could be a major disruption. Throughout that period of time, I learned a lot. I started another business with Jesse Itzler, um, who's the co-founder of Marquee Jet, private jet company, and Zico Coconut Water, my brother. And we built this social media company where we partnered up with major influencers, celebrities, YouTube stars, and we did product placement in YouTube videos. So all these YouTube stars mm -hmm be monetizing their social presence through getting brand deals. This was very early. This is pre-Instagram. This is like very pre-Snapchat, all these different things. And I just learned what I was good at. And when I realized what I'm good at is noticing trends. And there was a huge trend in 2016, like right before, I just noticed that the buyer changed. And that was kind of the biggest thing for me is that this industry is a $25 billion industry. And there's so many players making so much money. There's no like one Google in the industry. There's 50 companies that are making over 50 million in yearly sales. That's a lot of money being made by a lot of people. And they're all doing the things exactly in the same way. So how can we differentiate ourselves and really laser focus on today's buyer and build the right platform for today's buyer? So the first year of business, we didn't build anything. It was just about learning. I spoke to over 500 potential customers to learn who's the right buyer, what the right companies are, why do they want to buy from this company versus that company, and how can we be the right solution for them? And what we noticed from the first year is that I initially thought that we would go after the marketing teams because that's a, they have a huge budget. But after speaking to everyone in the marketing department, I realized that, yes, they have the biggest budget, but at the same time, they're also being you know contacted by the most companies. Everyone's trying to get the marketing. And what I noticed is that the office manager, no one's really going after the office manager at the time. Now I think things have changed, but in 2016, no one was really focusing on the office manager. The office manager had a much smaller budget than the marketing team, right? Which makes sense why not a lot of people were going after them. But in my mind, they were the gateway into the company. It's kind of like the Trojan horse. You get the office manager buying. Who are they buying for? They're buying for internal purposes. If they buy 100 T-shirts for their team and every T-shirt says powered by swag.com and they're giving it out to the marketing team and the sales team and the London office and they're breaking it down by department, they're basically doing the marketing for us and they're introducing us to all these other departments within the company. And that's exactly what worked. We went laser focus on the office manager, build them the right platform, expanded within the company and started getting all these other departments and then learning how to build the right platform for these other departments to make sure we have a full robust solution for everybody. And that's where we are today. And we've grown over hundred percent every year since we launched. We did about 350,000 in the first year, very manual, 1.1 million, in year two, three million in year three, seven million in year four, 15 million in year five. Last year we did 33 million, a little bit over 33 million. We just got acquired by Custom Inc, who's the leader in our industry. They're doing 500 million or so a year in sales, much bigger company. And our feeling is what can we do together? There's such an amazing opportunity of what we could build together. Custom Inc being such a leader, swag.com really being focused on this new generation of buyer and building these independent brands, all using the same infrastructure, working together, working together in terms of the supply side of the business, all the aspects of the business that we can learn from them and make our system just that much better for our customers.
So what were the some of the key milestones? Certainly, I think one of them you explained beautifully was this first year of which is almost exclusively research and development kind of a year. What were the other major milestones that you uh, can identify? One, Jeremy, and then two, what did you learn from each of those milestones? Yeah, well, a couple. So I'd say the first year was just about learning. We didn't build anything until about month eight, and we didn't launch anything until the second year. So early 2017, we launched the first version of our e-commerce site. So that was obviously a big milestone. It was very, I think, the right decision to not build anything until we felt like we had the right product to build. So that was good. Another big milestone was in, in middle of 2017, Josh, my co-founder, and I were in Chicago. We were part of this tech incubator called Techstars. And part of the Techstars, if you're not familiar, is... They basically connect you to all local entrepreneurs and different people, and they try to build your network. And one of these meetings, we met with this company, Jelly Vision. And I walked into Jelly Vision's office, or a fairly large company in the Chicago area where we're based. And I walked into the office, and they had about 10 or so people building boxes on the floor. And they were consolidating things and writing note cards. And they introduced me to a topic called account-based marketing. I never heard of that topic before. And now it's become a huge thing. But account-based marketing for marketing teams to engage with their best customers with sending them physical products or gifts. Because it's proven that you send somebody something in the mail or some as a gift, they're 10 times more likely to act. And we saw kind of this jelly vision was ahead of their time and they were doing these amazing things. But the process of getting these swag kits together was just so complicated. And it was just, it didn't seem efficient, you know, shipping all these swag boxes from different places and then having to unbox them and repackage them and write note cards and do all these things. And we left that meeting with like this light bulb moment of what if we could streamline this entire experience for companies? So they don't have to buy swag from these different vendors and consolidate it. What if they could buy it from a trusted source? Everything on our site is fully vetted, curated, tested, the best quality that's out there. Press a button. It all could be consolidated in one central online swag closet, if you will, and distributed to remote addresses. Now, I wish it was as easy as like snapping your fingers and making it happen. It took us about two years to build a good, a relatively good, and we're still working through it, but a good solution. So if you do the timing, that's end of 2019 or so, we launched the first version of this, what we call our distribution platform. So companies go on our site, they find what they're looking for, they mock up their logos, their products, they make it beautiful. During the checkout flow, they're given two options. Click one button, send to one address, which is the traditional swag model of sending everything in bulk to one office, one home address, or send to multiple addresses. So they can make that decision during the checkout flow. If they select multiple addresses, it sends all that swag to our 3PL for warehousing distribution, and they can distribute to thousands of different addresses at once. This became super needed, not even a nice to have, a real need to have feature in the pandemic. So in 2020 hit and the pandemic shut everything down, the whole promotional product industry was down over 20%. The whole industry shut down. Our sales shut down very much so also. February of 2020, we did 850,000 of sales. March of 2020, our sales dropped off a cliff to 350,000 sales. And that makes sense, right? The whole world is shut down. Yeah. No one's going to trade shows. No one's doing events. No one's in the office to buy swag. No one's hiring. The whole world is at a standstill. So all the, the use cases for swag are just not important. You don't really need to do it. But where everyone was telling us to cut back and to hunker down and to try to wait this out, and that's what the whole industry did. And that's why at the end of the year, everyone was down over 20% in our industry we did the exact opposite. We realized that we had this amazing ability to distribute swag to remote employees. If everyone is so disconnected, swag should be the great unifier. 
It should bring people together. And we doubled down and we tripled down and we went all in on our distribution platform. We invested all of our money into building this robust infrastructure and all the features and really talking to our customers. And we grew over hundred percent. The whole industry is down 20% or over 20%. We grew over hundred percent. So it really allowed us to differentiate ourselves. So I think those are the big milestones of first coming up with the distribution platform and noticing that trend and noticing how we can make it easy. And then two, when everybody is kind of you know, hunkering down and it makes sense, people are scared, but if you have that intuition, that gut feeling, you got to go all in on it. If you believe in it, you got to go all in on it. And having that kind of realization allowed us to you know, thrive and, and get to where we are today. So I'm, I'm sure everything in, over the last six and a half years was not fruit and nuts. So mm-hmm. sit, go circle back and, and, and tell us about uh, one, two, three, maybe even uh, crashes, burns, failures. And what they were, and then what you learned from experiencing those setbacks. Yeah, I, I always think of failures, and I try to get my team to feel the same way. It's a very important thing that we drive across the company, is that failure is totally okay. You have to be totally okay with failure, and every single thing that you do, you always fail at it, but it's about learning from your failures. And I think we just have to build that into our whole team dynamic. So a lot of people, when they join a new company, they're nervous to make mistakes. And we want people to remove that mentality of making mistakes because we're all going to make mistakes. I mean, just for example, this whole swag in the box feature that I explained before, where you could build boxes and make it self-serve and automated and without talking to anybody, it looked like it was an impossibility. No one else in our industry could do it except for us because we failed 10 times trying to figure out the right solution for it. The first solution was horrible user experience that only allowed you to build one box at a time. It didn't allow you to do apparel because we felt like apparel would be too confusing to have apparel in the box and how you would do it. The second version allowed apparel, but still only allowed you to do one box at a time, like one type of box. The third version allowed you to do multiple different types of boxes, but you couldn't do a men's you know, top and a, and a sweatpants. You couldn't do two apparel items. They had, like all these different things we had to keep learning and figuring out and trying to understand the customer and how they want, how they're using our platform, how to make it easy for them. So I, I would say there's constant failures every day, everyday failures, but it's about what you do with it and how you learn from it, how you make it better. And, and ultimately at one point, the box flow is amazing now. It's, it's seamless. I came in, it's like, it took two years to get here, but it's, it's unbelievable experience. And now we're building the new features of, you know, how to, you know, do a different giveaway type where it's non-branded items and all these different things. And every time you launch something new, there's always going to be that failure until you get it right. And you just have to be very comfortable with uncertainty. So that's, that's what our mindset is. As long as we launch things and we know that we're going to learn from it, it's like, what's the, what's the quote? Like, win or learn? Like very rare do we win off the, off the get-go, but we always will learn. We're going to learn something constantly. And ultimately you keep failing and learning and failing and learning. You're going to get it to a right place. And then you have to embark on a new challenge and new issues and keep kind of keep pushing constantly. I like that philosophy of yours, Jeremy. I guess I could call it something like push to failure and learn and then readjust and push to failure. That was a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Because I think when people go and they look at your at your website and you see how how fantastic it is, they go, "Oh, these guys are so so lucky or smart or something." And instead, you were just persistent. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. There's there's obviously luck in business. You no, know? and, and if anyone says that that doesn't happen, it's it's not true. You have to get lucky, but you have to realize the opportunities and you have to bet on yourself. 
and you have to be okay with constant learning. It's constant, everything. And, and there's, there's thousands of failures and being an entrepreneur, it's just, there's so many ups and downs and you have to be okay with that. And when you get started as a business, it's never going to work out perfectly. It will never work out perfectly from day one, but there's always opportunities and you just have to realize them and, and bet on yourself to make it happen. So I got a, a question I forgot about when I was asking you about your uh, milestones. So how in the world did you come up with swag.com? The name, the actual name, well, swag is what they call it. This industry. No, no. What I, what I meant was nobody has a one word.com. So how'd you oh, pull yeah, that yeah. off? Oh, so that was a, a, a much different story. There was a, a person who owned it and we had to figure out a way how to get the domain name and we didn't have the money for it. So right. we, we worked at a deal where we would license the name with, give them some equity and have the option to buy it. So we're able to use the domain name from day one and prove out the model and get sales in the door. And ultimately we're able to raise some money to acquire the name seven or eight months later, but we proved the model out so that we felt like instead of committing to a huge expensive domain from day one, and who knows if the business will work, we knew the business was going to work from early testing and early sales and early traction. And we knew how powerful the name was. You know, when people hear swag.com, they think they've heard of it before. Of course. Oh, absolutely. People think it's been around for 30, 40 years and it worked. We, we, you know, approaching customers with the name swag.com, like, oh yeah, we've heard you guys. It might've been like our second week of business, right? We had a, a coming soon page on the website. So it really has an amazing value in the early days. And even more so now, the name is so powerful. It's like, I like to think of it as our dragon. I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones, but like the most powerful thing that that's like your secrets, your secret sauce. People don't forget it. They hear it once and they never forget it. So, which makes amazing for marketing, right? A lot of people have to pay for every link, every, every time someone goes to their website to buy something. We don't have to do that. We have to get people to see our site. We retarget them. They don't even need to click on retargeting ads. They just type directly into the browser, swag.com, because it's so memorable. So, yeah. and, and, and with any brand, you want to really focus that the bigger you get, the better you get. It becomes synonymous with the industry. And if people are calling it swag on offline conversations and the office manager says to the boss, yeah, we need to get some swag for the office. I want it to automatically trigger them to say, oh, swag.com. It becomes, it's like converting offline to online conversions. So it was a really important name for us to get. Yes, indeed. And I love the fact that you negotiated a, a, a joint venture of sorts initially and then said, here's our check. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful technique. Everybody should 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 uh, listen and take that into advisement. So, Jeremy, what's holding uh, you and Swag back right at this moment? I don't think anything's holding us back. I think just in terms of like, there's so much opportunity, and that's really it. And just where where to focus resources and where to to make those investments, right? Like we're now underneath a much larger company of Custom Inc. There's a lot that we can learn from them. There's a lot of features that we want to build. There's a lot of things that we want to improve about our team structure. You know, as you grow as a business, the team structure has to grow with it. And there's a lot of things. You might have a person in one role and they should be in a completely different role. And you have to like understand where the strengths are. And then there's ways to new ways to drive traffic and thinking about marketing and how we could differentiate ourselves and how we could, you know, break through the noise in terms of that. And there's certain features that customers want and there's features that we think are the most important. So trying to balance innovating and innovation and thinking outside the box and also learning from your customers and kind of treating them as like the guiding user experience to tell us what we should be building. There's always a balance between that. So 
nothing is inherently holding us back. It's just, we are just so excited about all the opportunity that, that is in front of us. And we just want to make sure we're making the right decisions to grow it in the right way. So Jeremy, how would our uh, listeners contact you in addition to going to swag.com? Do you have any special promotions going on? You get any special ideas? Give our <laughs> listeners uh, some, some tips on how to get a hold of you and your company. Yeah. You can definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you can send me an email, jeremy at swag.com. Always happy to heal, hear from listeners and, and help you out with whatever you need. And we have a whole sales team that if you want to speak to people, we can, I can make introductions. If you don't want to speak to anyone, you can easily do it all self-service on your, by yourself online. We, we want to take the position of we want to build the tools to make it really easy for you to find exactly what you're looking for, design it and buy it and be happy. But if you're ever in question or you don't know timing or you don't know what color, or you're a little bit confused, or we always have people ready on the live chat to answer any questions. We have a phone number. You can get in touch with us at any point. So we want to be self-service as our primary focus, but also have handholding if you need us to handhold you. We're happy to do it. And we do it for tons of, tons of really large companies. So love to work with everybody. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Jeremy, I asked you several questions, but there's, I'm thinking there might have been one you were waiting for me to ask. I didn't. So mm -hmm. what would that question be that you were waiting for? And then give us the answer to that, that unasked question. Uh, it's a, it's, that is a good question. That's the question. No, that unasked questions. I think, I think we covered a lot. I feel good about that. I would just say as an, as an entrepreneur, there's no 100% right way to get something done. Every business is different. Every business has their own challenges. Um, hundred percent. But what I've learned is being okay with that mentality of failure and kind of removing it from, from your plate and not being nervous about how things are going to look, how customers are going to react, put yourself out there, take the first step. You're constantly learned from it. So just, I think always take the first step and go and don't overthink. Don't have to have the best business plan. Don't have to plan everything out. You're going to learn what needs to happen on the go. Just be very confident that you will ultimately get there as long as you keep pushing hard enough. That's beautiful. Thank you very much. You've been a fantastic guest. I really appreciate having you here with us, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. So in closing, let's focus on the single fact. And that is that businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having the right mindset of a dedication to a system of management. And number three, leveraging high performance teams. Jeremy told you all of that in spades. So thanks for listening, Jeremy. Once again, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having me.